Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes the world spews out real-life stories that are hard to believe. There simply are mysteries out there that for one reason or another don't make logical sense, and yet they happen. And some of them, like the ones on today's episode, are very disturbing and creepy. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoy this one. Here are five creepy, mysterious events. Number five, The Devil's Footprints. Sweeping through hundreds of miles of uninterrupted trails, thick snowy fields, and even scaling rooftops and jumping up drain pipes, These sets of mysterious cloven hoof marks capture the imagination of 19th century England. Were these footprints from some sort of unknown hooved mammal, or could they actually be steps made by the devil himself? It was on the nights of February 8th and 9th of 1855 when the town of X Astuary in South Devon, England, experienced a heavy snowfall. Everything was covered in fresh powder, However, for those who happened to venture out into the storm, they found something very strange and unexplainable. 
Several witnesses reportedly saw an extraordinary trail of imprints in the snow. And while they look like they had been created by an animal with cloven hooves like a horse or donkey, looking at them closer, that didn't seem possible. And things then began to take a weird turn when onlookers started to realize that the gate made by this creature was not from a four-legged animal, but something that was bipedal, walking on just two legs. Each of the hoof prints measured about four inches long and three inches wide, which is akin to that of a donkey's. However, the space between each step were comparatively small, spaced only between 10 to 12 inches apart and in a single file. Quick to assume the superstitious and religious people of South Devon suggested that these had to be the tracks of Satan, which at the time was often characterized as having the horns and hooves of a goat. The exact route that the devil's footprints took weren't exactly clear, although many believed it circumnavigated the quiet little town. Based on sightings far and wide, it's also said that they covered at least 100 miles of total distance. Considering this, it boggled everyone's mind as to how the steps seemed to skip over obstacles like walls and tall fences, as well as appearing to jump up onto high places like the roofs of houses. Amidst the superstitious beliefs, there were those who tried to give a more sound explanation of this phenomenon. Some investigators said that this had to be the result of an experimental balloon released by mistake from a nearby dockyard. It had then been flying low, with its two trailing shackles making the marks on the ground. However, the perfect distance that these marks were made in made that hard to believe for some. Others attributed the incident to hopping mice running around the area, which then left behind the prints in the snow. There's also the theory of kangaroos, badgers, and other hooved animals loitering that time, but that seems less likely. The prints were surely there, and assuming it wasn't some elaborate prank, it is a mysterious story. Whether it was a balloon flying low, an animal, or the devil himself, we'll never know 100%. Regardless of the cause, the so-called Devil's Footprint remained a fascinating and enigmatic historical event that left curious individuals reeling for an explanation. Number 4. Havana Syndrome Illness and sickness are something that will affect anyone susceptible enough to incur it. However, there occurred a phenomenon that had targeted only the most powerful people in the world, and no one has ever been able to explain it. Today, the illness is known as the Havana Syndrome. To better understand this anomaly, let's go back to 2016 Havana, Cuba, when a handful of CIA officers stationed in the country's capital complained to their respective physician about their bizarre experiences. And strangely enough, it wasn't only them who suffered the ordeal, but also their family members who came to Havana to live with them. It all began when these people, who were mostly Americans and Canadians, started hearing a weird sound, which they likened to that of grinding metal or piercing squeals. Now, not all cases were the same, though. For example, there's a wife of one of the CIA agents stationed there who said that she and her kids could hear a low but incessant hum. 
It wasn't noticeable at first, but through time, the sound gave them this uncomfortable feeling of increasingly intense pressure inside their head. They tried covering their ears, but it made no difference. It was like the sound frequency was designed to pierce through their ears and feel like it was coming from inside their own brain. And while those are strange and scary, there are also reports from some saying they couldn't hear sound at all, temporarily going deaf and feeling a wave of heat and pressure coursing through their bodies. The ensuing symptoms included severe headaches, dizziness, nausea, and other neurological problems. There were, to some extent, those who ultimately lost their hearing and their cognitive abilities were greatly affected afterwards. The situation, of course, alarmed the U.S. and Canadian authorities and then conducted an investigation. In 2018, a team of top scientists proposed a possibility that this phenomenon could be caused by using inaudible ultrasonic signals fired at specific targets. Yet another hypothesis suggests that these unidentified perpetrators may have used weaponized microwave technology to carry out the alleged attacks. Whether they were actually trying to cause harm or just testing the technology out, though, no one knows. While both of these theories have yet to be proven, a declassified U.S. intelligence report stipulated that this could be the case of pulsed electromagnetic energy being used to produce the scary symptoms. Ultimately, the implications of these perceived terrorist attacks suggest that humanity might be facing a different kind of global warfare. And in fact, in April of 2021, the Armed Services Unit of the U.S. House of Congress revealed that they received intel about a suspected Havana-like attack on U.S. soil, but the exact details were kept under wraps. No one knows exactly who could be the person, organization, or country that is behind all this. Conspiracy theorists, however, pointed out that during the 1950s, the Soviet Union had reportedly been working with weaponized microwave technology. But then again, that is yet to be confirmed. If there's anything good to come out of this, it's that there's no reported deaths linked to the Havana Syndrome. However, these people got severely sick with some very terrifying symptoms. And only time will tell as to when this kind of thing could happen again, and perhaps on a much larger and deadlier scale. Number 3. The Lead Masks Case The mystery of the Lead Masks case began on August 20, 1966, when a boy decided to fly his kite into the fields of Vintum Hill in Neteroy near Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Wandering around, he then stumbled upon the heart-stopping sight of two lifeless bodies, abandoned and sparsely covered in weeds. Police were called in, and when they arrived, what they found was a strange scene, to say the least, they struggled to comprehend. The two dead adult males were wearing raincoats over their formal suits. Men over their eyes were placed homemade lead masks. Near the bodies, there was also an empty bottle of water, some towels, as well as a little bit of cash. Making the scene even creepier was the presence of a note that one of the dead men had in his pocket which read, 1630, be at agreed place. 1830, swallow capsules. After effect, protect metals, wait for mask signal. 
No one had the slightest idea what the phrase meant back then, and even today, things aren't much clearer. But things quickly went into motion in the investigation to try to find answers, and the first development that occurred was the identification of the two dead men. They were 32-year-old Manol Pereira de Cruz and 34-year-old Miguel Jose Viana. Both were family men who had been employed as electronics repairmen in their hometown of Campos dos Goitacazes, which is about 175 miles away from Natiroi. With this information, authorities were able to track back the circumstances leading to their deaths. What they found was that three days prior to being discovered, on August 17th, the two men told their families they were leaving to go to Sao Paulo to buy some equipment. Instead, however, they then boarded a bus for Niteroi. Upon arriving, they made several stops to buy the equipment they were seen with. A bartender, to whom they bought the bottle of water from, recalled Viana appearing nervous. From there, no one knows the exact events that followed, and the lead mask case eventually went cold. The eventual reinvestigation brought out a few theories, though, and some made sense while most sounded fantastical. According to sources close to the victims, the two have been dabbling in scientific spiritism, their focus of interest being primarily on UFOs. Apparently, the men had long been attempting to contact extraterrestrials or spirits using psychedelic drugs. They believe that such an encounter might involve seeing blinding light, which is why the men created those lead masks to shield their eyes. And... As it turned out, the night that the two men died, residents near Ventum Hill reported seeing a round orange UFO hovering over it. So, is it possible the men had somehow managed to make contact with ETs and that this glowing orb and their deaths are connected? When they met, was it possibly all too much for their senses? And so, they ended up dying in the process. This is what some believed. Police, on the other hand, thought that the two most likely died of a drug overdose. It's now a big mystery whether their deaths were self-induced or supernatural in kind. Regardless, Manol Parada de Cruz and Miguel Viana climbed Ventum Hill with a goal in mind, but unfortunately, they didn't seem to reach it. Or did they? Number two. The Bloop. 1997, a group of scientists were searching for underwater volcanoes off the coast of South America when all of a sudden their hydrophones, a relic of Cold War submarine tracking technology, recorded something they couldn't explain. It's a strange, exceptionally loud noise, and it's known as the bloop. In the summer of that year, researchers from the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, took notice of a sound detected somewhere near the southwestern part of the Pacific Ocean, almost near the southern tip of Chile. The sound was detected by the Equatorial Pacific Ocean Autonomous Hydrophone Array. This is a set of microphones primarily used to monitor undersea seismicity, ice noise, as well as marine animal migration. 
In this case, the sound captured by the instrument was so loud that it could be heard by multiple sensors, some of which were installed as far as 3,000 miles away. Details of the report indicated that the strange audio output rose in frequency for about one minute before ultimately disappearing. The bloop consequently captured the world's attention due to its bizarre nature. Those having the wildest kind of imagination went on to propose that the sound could be a call of an aquatic dinosaur, a megalodon, or perhaps a sea creature that's yet to be discovered. The news became even more sensational when the NOAA initially confirmed in their report that the sound was definitely not man-made, but possibly biological in nature. Some people jumped into the craze saying that this could be the mythical creature from H.P. Lovecraft's popular work, Call of the Cthulhu. They pointed out that the bloop was detected and recorded just about a thousand kilometers from a place where, according to the story, Cthulhu first emerged into this world. However, as exciting as this fan theory was, in 2005, scientists were able to come up with an explanation about what the bloop actually was. As their analysis suggests, the sound is far louder than anything a whale or gigantic marine creature could possibly produce. As such, there's a probability that this could be caused by something else, something even larger, something non-living. As NOAA stated, the bloop could certainly be a sound produced by a large cryosism, which means an ice quake. To put it simply, a huge iceberg might have broken up, a process known as calving. Experts explain that the stress and pressure within the ice creates fissures and fractures that led to these massive ice formations to break apart. The result would be a loud cracking or rumbling sound that could be so deafening that it could certainly be heard thousands of miles away. There are many instances in which ice calvings have happened before, and most of the time the sound they made was mistaken for an earthquake or a thunderclap. While this may clear up the mystery a bit, it's never been proven what it actually was, and so what made the infamous bloop sound is still up for debate. Number 1. The Lake Bottom Murders What was supposed to be a romantic double date among teenagers, an outdoor excursion unexpectedly turned out to become one of the world's most baffling true crime cases. On June 5th of 1960, 15-year-olds Myla Bjorkland and Anja Maki set out for a camping trip to Lake Bottom, a popular site near Espoo in Finland. Accompanying the two young ladies were their 18-year-old boyfriends, Seppo Boozman and Niels Gustafsson. Young and full of vitality, the foursome enjoyed their excursion in nature as they appeared to have the whole place to themselves. It was like exploring a new world without a single other person around. And this continued until the early hours of the next morning when all that changed. Because sometime between 4 and 6 a.m., Maki, Jorkland, and Boosman were all stabbed and bludgeoned to death by an unknown assailant. The fourth camper, Gustafson, was found unconscious and would be the only survivor of the massacre. He incurred several fractures to his face, which, according to investigators, confirmed his story of being a victim of the onslaught. 
He stated later on that he managed to get a glimpse of their attacker. It was someone or something dressed in black with bright red eyes. The discovery of the group happened at around 6.30 that same morning, so very shortly after the attack. A group of bird watchers in the area saw the campsite, which in their statement appeared to be in total disarray. When they approached, they saw Jorkland, Gustafson's girlfriend, lying on top of their tent. Maki and Boseman, meanwhile, were found bloodied and lifeless inside their makeshift shelter. In the eventual interrogation, one bird watcher said that they saw a blonde man hurriedly walking away from the tents as they approached. By around noon, police were on the scene, and by then, the victims of what is now known as the Lake Bottom murders have been dead for more than six hours. A series of extensive police investigations followed soon after, where it was found out that the assailant had attacked blindly from outside the tent. The perpetrator appeared to have used a knife to stab the victims, although there were indications suggesting that he or she might have also used a blunt object, possibly a rock, to bludgeon the victims. Despite all their efforts, ultimately though, no leads really ever developed, and so the case remains unsolved to this day. There were many theories and suspects questioned over the years, including Gustafson himself, who was the only survivor. But suggesting he committed the crime and then beat himself unconscious is a bit of a stretch, even for the most determined criminal. During the early stages of the investigation, the young man was a prime suspect in the crime, but he was cleared of any suspicion due to his injuries, and so that was that. But a twist in the case happened 44 years later in 2004, when it was reopened and Gustafson was arrested for the crime before being put to trial. The prosecutors there argue that the accused was drunk at the time of the attack and was booted out by the trio for one reason or another. So, in retaliation, he allegedly attacked the other boy, and the fight supposedly escalated into him committing the murders. However, a year later, the defendant was acquitted of all charges due to inconclusive evidence and a failure to show a motive. One theory around the case said that the killings were carried out by KGB agents as part of a Cold War plot. And another, perhaps more interesting one, suggests that the trio fell victim to occult practices. Lake Bottom was known as a site of cult activity in the past, and so this is certainly a possibility, and perhaps why Gustafson saw those glowing red eyes all those years back. So there were five creepy, mysterious events I know you don't know about, but now you do. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Please subscribe, check out some other videos, and thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you guys in the next one.